Again, welcome to Found Church Online. And if you're listening for the first time today, either on Facebook or radio, my name is Chris Heidenberg, and I'm the lead pastor of Found Church. The series we've been walking through has led us to this day. We've been following Jesus as he has set his face toward Jerusalem. This, this marked his final climb, reaching his ultimate purpose, which was to be crucified, buried, and on that third day, the day that we celebrate today, the day that Jesus was raised from the dead, because he is alive, Jesus is alive. There were over 300 prophecies over the course of hundreds of years, all pointing to this Savior. Many of those prophecies pointed actually to this very day, the day that the world would never be the same again. All because of that Good Friday night fight we spoke of a few days ago, and today, the day we celebrate that empty tomb of Easter. And so we're going to pick right back up into Matthew 27, right after Jesus was crucified, starting in verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Now going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Now, this is an interesting storyline to start Easter with. There, there are actually two really important plots working hand in hand here. And so I'm going to set up the first one. We got this, this man named Joseph of Arimathea. And we know that he was a wealthy man from this account. We also know that he was a member of the Sanhedrin. Which, if you don't know, the, the Sanhedrin was like a, a voting group of judges. Not, not just judges, though. The highest judges in the land. Similar to what our federal Supreme Court would be. And they were tasked, similar to our Supreme Court, of ensuring that the law is maintained. Essentially, the Sanhedrin was the group that ultimately sentenced Jesus to his death. So it's also safe to say that this man's wealth was gained, certainly, from a heritage of power and aristocracy. Now, in reading John's account of the Gospel of Jesus, we know that this man was secretly a disciple of Jesus. John 19.38 says he, was, he worshipped Jesus in secret because it was, it was because of his fear of the Jews. Now, for Joseph of Arimathea, he knew exactly why he should fear these Jews. After all, put yourself in his place. He was most likely in those council sessions as they debated back and forth what to do with this man, Jesus. He would have maybe even played a role in condemning Jesus over to the Romans. In fact, it's, more, it's actually probable. Joseph was a, disi a disciple of Jesus, but he followed him secretly 
because he didn't want to lose all that he had. Power, authority, wealth, status, you name it, he had it. This is evidence that Joseph's identity was all wrapped up in his position and social status. Jesus, or Joseph here in this moment was like a walking representative of us today and and all that we aim to attain and maintain by our human nature. We've been talking about resolutions now for a little over a month. And we've here we have this man that is guarding everything he has which essentially in his mind is everything that he is and he's guarding it with a secret how many of us are guarding our lives with secrets this man he he's conflicted on one hand he has found this this one that the messiah that they've they've actually read these more than 300 prophecies about and on the other hand if if anyone were to find out that he followed this Jesus that he was a disciple of Jesus well he would lose everything he would lose his his identity and so he guarded his true identity with a secret we guard ourselves too don't we have you ever thought about why we guard ourselves and what we're actually guarding ourselves from? Now, it seems like a simple question to answer, but first, I think if we think about it for a second, so much of our energy is spent guarding ourselves and protecting our lives from so many different scenarios, most of which never end up becoming a reality anyway. We guard our wealth, storing up treasures where we think they'd be safe. We guard our status, presenting only the the most beautiful aspects of our lives with half-truths on social media. We guard our pride. We especially guard our emotions. Like Joseph, many of us wake up each morning in conflict ready to guard ourselves yet another day. Do you? Do you wake up ready to guard yourself today? Well, maybe that's an easy thing to answer for you, but maybe you've done such a thorough job guarding yourself for so many years that you don't even realize the darkness of the tomb you've buried yourself in. On Good Friday, Uh, I touched on those broken resolutions of our infamous disciples. Here we have these men who've openly followed Jesus for the better part of three years. They have seen with their own eyes the evidence of the power and authority of God that this man possesses. They've been witness to hundreds and maybe even thousands of unexplainable miracles, and yet they obviously still don't get it. They obviously failed in their resolutions because they had poor resolution. Here are these supposedly heroic disciples 
that were actually arguing over which of them were the greatest among them. Literally, only moments before failing Jesus when he needed them the most. You want to talk about the obvious right in front of you. Here, the disciples prove yet again that they are still short-sighted. Their resolution of sight was clouded and it was low-deaf. They didn't understand the purpose of the Messiah. They didn't understand the purpose of the crucifixion, let alone the prophesied resurrection. Now, going back to Joseph of Arimathea, the story comes in to directly contradict these disciples' greatest failures, their greatest failed resolutions, only one day later. Here we had this closet disciple in direct contradiction. Now we have a closet disciple, the one who's living a lie, guarded and conflicted, fearful of the Jews. And well, something happened. He, he had a change of heart and boldly, it says he boldly went into Pilate to ask for his Savior's body so that he could be buried with honor. What courage it must have taken for him. In direct contradiction to Peter's denial only a day before, to out himself now as one of Jesus' disciples in front of the whole entire world to see. You see, there was no putting this back in the bottle. Like Mary, when she broke that alabaster jar over Jesus, there was no putting this back in the bottle. He finally exposed who he truly was. Imagine as he was deliberating with his fellow judges the week before, whether or not this man that he secretly believed in should be handed over to the Romans to be killed. Imagine the turmoil in his heart. Imagine if you put yourself in his place, what that would feel like for you. Well, maybe, maybe you don't need to. Because maybe you're already there. This man on top of the social world in absolute confliction. You see, he had his guard up. And in that moment, it was becoming unbearable. That weight pressing down on his shoulders, constraining him in this conflict. Something had to have changed for him. Somehow, he knew in a moment that in order to save his life, he needed to be willing to lose everything. Something was revealed to him. He had a moment of clear resolution. What was it? Well, it was the cross. It, it was the cross. The cross exposed him to his true value by the love of God, and the guard could finally come down. He could finally let his guard down. Do you think maybe it's time for you to let your guard down today? What we believe is evidenced by what we do and how we live. Or, or to, to better clarify that, the resolution of what we see 
dramatically changes and empowers our resolutions to what we do and can do. These heroic disciples, they weren't heroic until they had a more clear resolution beyond the cross. Why is it so hard for us to see beyond the cross? Well, I think God actually reveals the answer to us. But let me first add in the the second plot to this storyline. After Joseph had pulled him down from the cross and buried Jesus, he he buried him, by the way, in his own tomb. The, The tomb that was actually meant to honor his own life, but was now honoring Jesus's life. And after he did this, Scripture gives us an inside look to those wanting to guard and maintain their status quo of that old thing. They thought it would be wise to ensure that this man who was proclaiming this new thing, that this Jesus, that he just stayed dead. And so they put their guard up. Let's read on in in Matthew uh, verse 62, 27 verse 62. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, the deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. And this last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. Maybe... Maybe it's not as much that we can't see ourselves beyond the cross, but that we can't see past all that we're guarding in our own graves. Maybe it's that we can't let go of all that we've compiled, all that we've accomplished, all that we see on this side of the cross. Jesus says in Matthew 7, we've touched on this a few times throughout this series, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You see, Joseph, he dug his own grave, Scripture says. Well, he was a pretty wealthy man, so maybe he hired somebody to do it, but nonetheless, he dug his own grave. He had his whole life already buried in that grave with him until until he was able to see, until he had a revelation that he had stored up all that he was in a grave that would eventually be robbed anyway. You see, this tomb represents the extent of the honor we are destined for in this world. Here lies a great man. Honored among men, a man that had it all. Everything he could have hoped for lies, oh, yeah, that's right, dead in this grave. You see, without the cross, our tombs, they are the most we can hope for. And without the cross, our tombs, 
are often all that we can see. And so we guard them with our lives because they are the only, the only they are only filled up with all that our lives once were. And here we lie, guarding our own graves, proclaiming the greatness of a life once lived. How tragic. How tragic that could be. Do you think maybe we're fooling ourselves here a little bit or, or a lot? Do you think maybe we've been living and moving and expending our energy based all on a temporal life that eventually leads us to our own graves? And, and so we store up for ourselves a life that is valued only by how other people view it and on social media or on an epitaph on a gravestone or, or what's considered to be our legacy. I don't know about you, but I don't want my life measured that way. I don't know about you, but I don't need my tombstone tombstone to, to say, here lies a successful man, or here lies a wealthy man. I don't need my tombstone to read, here lies a good man. I don't even need it to, to read, here lies a happy man. The only thing I want my gravestone to read is, here lies an empty grave, and there ain't nothing in here to guard. What are we guarding but just dead things? dead attitudes, dead mindsets. Why do we guard ourselves with secrets we're trying to hide? Why are, why are we guarding ourselves from people's opinions and per perceptions of us like it somehow matters? Joseph guarded his life with a secret because he had a fear of the men that could put him in his grave. The only fear I've got is not for a man who can put me in a grave, but for a God who can empty it. Come on, because this is Easter we're talking about. This isn't Good Friday anymore. This is the day that the guarded tomb was robbed. This is the day that the guards feared for their lives. This is the day that a giant stone was rolled away. Come on, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that dead men were raised from that grave. And this is the day that you can finally let your guard down. Let's read the rest of this epitaph and pull this story together. Chapter 28 reads this. After the Sabbath... At dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. He is risen, just like he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell the disciples. He has risen from the dead and is now going on ahead of you. It's incredible. Joseph of Arimathea, this secret disciple, 
follow Jesus, yes, that's true. But until he had the revelation at the cross, he had a faith clouded by all that he had to lose. Do we trust in Jesus with that same clouded faith of all that we have to lose? He had poor resolution until he encountered Jesus at the cross, until he had that revelation of love, that revelation from God that it wasn't about all he had to lose anymore. It was about all he had to gain because of the gift that Jesus was giving him in the resurrection. True life measured. That is the gift that Jesus is giving us, that, that he is giving us true life measured by real value by God's value. Jesus says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul, to forfeit his soul? And I say, what good is it to gain the whole world only to guard our own graves? What's your resolution? Are you are you watching a, a 4K TV even though that service you pay $100 a month for only broadcasts in 720p? <laughs> or are you staring at that beautiful new 75-inch 4K TV watching Netflix still trying to buffer each and every time because your internet stinks? What's your resolution? Are you looking at that old thing, believing it to be the way of freedom, even though it brings on the chains of shame? Are you resolute and determined to change your own life only to find that you don't have what it takes in the first place to follow through with those resolutions? Can you maybe even see the cross okay, but everything beyond it is blurry? Stop looking at the cross and start looking through it. Use it as the lens. As I said, the, the resolution of what we see, it dramatically changes our resolutions in what we do. And if all we can see is the grave, then we need to, the, the grave that we need to guard at the end of our supposed legacy, that's no life at all. That's tragic. That's darkness. Jesus says that's death. You wonder why the church has just as much depression as the rest of the world? It's because we aren't looking beyond the cross. We are looking to the confinement of our own graves. Joseph, he finally understood that his legacy, it's not in guarding his life with a secret anymore but in exposing all that he thought he was to the one, to the Savior, to the Lord, to the one who emptied the grave, to Jesus. And you may as well too. He knows all your secrets and embellishments anyway. He knows all your half-truths and fake news anyway. He knows all that you're guarding in your own grave, and he's going to rob that grave anyway. Why not trust in it anyway? He knows you already, and he loves you anyway. 
despite yourself, despite all those broken promises and filled resolutions. He died for you knowing your sin, knowing your trauma, knowing your shame, knowing those scars, knowing your mistrust, knowing that your guard is on high alert. And he said, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out of that grave you're guarding with your life because the only thing meant to remain is dead men's bones. But I'm calling you out from death to life. He's inviting you to rise up and leave all that baggage. Those, those works, those things of shame, those things that bring death and leave those behind so that you can step into the life of resurrection. Step into the life of this new thing that he has set in motion for us. It's beautiful. It's breath-giving because this new life doesn't just live to the point of the grave, but for the garden beyond it. Jesus is calling you out. He's calling out the man that's built a grave of addiction. He's calling you out. He's calling out the woman who finds her worth in the grave of how you look or how much you weigh. He's calling you out. He's calling out the man who finds his worth in the grave of respect he thinks he deserves from his wife or from his friends or that grave of success he measures himself by. He's calling you out. He's calling out the woman that lives in a grave of bitterness. He's calling out the man that lives in a grave of anger and mistrust. He's calling out the teen that lives in a grave of instant gratification and low self-worth. You see, he's calling you out. He's, he's calling out those that have been digging a grave of, of a thousand different things. Jesus is calling us out of all of them. He's calling out a world that's self-medicated with nothing but dead things in a tomb we all still feel the need to guard. He's calling you out. And all we need to do is leave those moth-ridden, rust-eaten values of this life and this world and let Jesus rob the grave of the only thing in those tombs of value. And that is you. And that is me. And all we've got to do is walk out from death to life. From a grave to a garden. Good Friday is over. <laughs> Today is Easter, the day that brings dead things, that Jesus brings dead things to life. Thank you, Jesus, for resolutely setting out for Jerusalem and showing us the way of true life. Thank you, Jesus, for making us right before God with your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for opening the door to heaven by your resurrection. And thank you, Jesus, for showing us that true life doesn't begin when our hearts stop, but when we give them to you as a sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for defeating death, hell, and the grave so that there can be a changing of the guard, that our lives can now be guarded in your victory. 
Thank you, Jesus, for sending us your spirit that keeps our lives guarded in the light of your glory. And thank you, Jesus, that you are risen today. You are risen indeed. Call us out of the grave, Lord. Jesus, call us out of the grave.